Welcome to episode 16 of The Yogi Show with Pedro Luna and myself, Yogi Brian. Today we have Coot Blackson on the show. Coot is a leading visionary in personal development, author of You Are The One, and world-renowned speaker. In this episode, we talk about three topics. One, finding happiness. Two, finding your purpose. And three, believing in yourself because you are the one. Honestly, I got goosebumps while recording this episode while Coot was speaking. Super powerful. How to learn more about The Yogi Show, visit us at theyogishow.com. We provide all the links and show notes about what we spoke about today. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the show, Mr. Coot Blackson. Thank you for being here. How are you, brother? Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brian, what's up, man? How is it in Phoenix today? How's it going? It is a nice, cooler day in Phoenix. Coot, thank you so much for coming on and I'm excited for this. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like nervous excited, you know, like, you know, those nerves that you can channel into, you know, it's like that, those nerves that you feel when you're up in front of people and you're going to speak and you have this fear or have these like excitement, like I'm channeling all of that into excitement for you having you on the show and, and being here, man. So thank you so much. My pleasure. So we wanted to kick the show off with something that, you know, is so kicked around all the time these days uh, in the, you know, the happiness world is like in like gratitude and such is like, how do you, you know, as you and all the amazing things that you do that we'll dive into is like, how do you define happiness these days? You know, how is that? Do we, do we talk about that and, and find that inner happiness? You know, for me, happiness ultimately is, you know, a lot of times we base our happiness in today's world on achievement on achievement of a goal on how much money you have on the material on the external on how life is on some external you know getting the relationship that thing outside but i believe that real happiness is not based on things outside because so many of those things you can't control and if your happiness is based on external factors the achievement of a goal a specific outcome a material object your bank account your partner your relationship your child all these things are transitory and temporary all these things are in the realm of three-dimensional duality and are in a state <clears throat> of constant fluctuation so when your happiness is based on those temporary things then your happiness is also temporary and you are simply a slave which only leads to more unhappiness ah. and so uh, for the longest time, you know, growing up and in the world as a, as a young man in my early 20s, a lot of my happiness was based on, oh, if I achieve the goal or if I get the girl or if this happens or if that happens, if it doesn't <laughs> happen. And I was freaking miserable, you know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so also in the pursuit of what I thought was going to make me happy, I was becoming more unhappy. And many times, you know, we think we know what we want. And we sometimes achieve what we thought we wanted that was going to make us happy only to achieve it, only to then realize, shit, this is not really making me happy. Because many times what we think we want is simply what we thought we wanted based on who we thought we were. But if we're not in touch with who we really are, just a conditioned version of ourselves, then the attainment goal won't make us truly happy either. And so for me, real happiness is an inner state of being. Real happiness is an internal sort of experience, that experience of uh, being in touch with my authentic self, that experience of being in touch with who I really am and expressing who I really am. You know, that, that, that inner experience of being, you know, being in a state of ultimate accept, just acceptance of who I am 
and who I'm not and embracing all of it. For me, this is this is peace. Real happiness also has become less about the achievement, the attainment. And, you know, the way we define success in our culture tends to be based on the goal, the attainment of the goal. But I believe this is very limited. For me, true happiness has become in the uh, experience of the process in the, you know, I, I really believe that the real purpose of life, uh, we're born, we incarnate into this human experience as human beings and, you know, our souls as souls, even though we have bodies, we are souls as souls. We, you know, we incarnate because there's maybe certain things we are here to experience and learn and how we learn it through experiences and our dreams, our goals are simply evolutionary. And so for me, the real, you could say happiness is more about, uh, the degree to which I, in this experience, in a relationship, in any given situation, the degree to which I'm growing, the degree to which I'm learning, the degree to which I'm learning the lessons for which I attracted that situation, dynamic or relationship in the first place. And so I really define happiness as a state of being and and become you know, that process of am I becoming more of who I am? Even if I failed on the outside, even if the relationship ended on you know uh, uh, by by society standards, even by society standards, I screwed up, failed, it didn't work. Did I grow? Did I become more of myself? Did I align more with my integrity? Did I connect more with my truth? Did I did I tap into something more of my of my true sincerity? Am I living? Am I living? more aligned with with my heart's knowing and my soul and uh, for me this is this is happiness you know right absolutely and that's that's the part that so many people get caught up on it's like once i get this goal i'm going to be happy it's like okay so many people go out there they get the job that they've always wanted and they hate it and then they're so attached to the out that they, they had to love it because they worked so hard to get it and now how am i going to let this go when i've worked for 10 years to get here it's like you have to know when to cut the shit and move on you know, and then find that inner joy because the, the joy comes from within, like it begins within. And for you, I know that you talked to, uh, you know, just give me a little background of your story and how you had, you know, how you ha- had this opportunity back in the day to speak, you know, on behalf of your father, take over the churches. If you could touch on that and how you realize like that wasn't your path and it's okay to let that go and then seek that inner journey onto your own. Could you touch on that and share with the listeners about that? Of course. Yeah, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. And uh, <clears throat> my first memories actually were two things. My first memories as a young boy being age five, six was I always felt a, a de- I knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted to <clears throat> make a difference in people's lives. I knew I wanted to inspire people in some way. So I felt this sort of innate burning desire in my soul. And the other thing was, you know, my first memories as a young boy, five, six, seven years old, I remember seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor and she picks up the sand. This man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. I mean, this was like bona fide miracle. <laughs> right. You know, no faking shit, no Instagram, just real. And I, I was no filter. No filter. I was an eight-year-old, seven, eight-year-old kid just watching this happening. No one was really noticing. She stands up. And so week after week, I grew up seeing the same man who Sanchi picked up uh, and look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, why are you in this wheelchair? Stand up or, you know, put his hands over a woman who couldn't see on her eyes and she would see. And so cancer being cured. And, and, and so this man was my father. He built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa. Wow. Hundreds of thousands of, you could say, devotees, followers, was considered a miracle man of Africa. You know, his, his students were people like the king, uh, the king of Ghana, the kings of heads of state, presidents, and a really great man. And so he had a huge church in London. When I was age 
age eight, I started to, uh, I was kind of thrown in the audience, started to speak in my father's church. And at 14, <clears throat> I was uh, ordained as a minister. I was given the the mandate to basically take over my father's spiritual organization. I was his heir. I remember one Sunday, my father announces to the congregation in London of about 5,000 people, my son is taking over the ministry. And I <laughs> on stage, he didn't discuss it with me on stage. Uh, my heart, I should have been happy, you know, my, my heart sank because in that moment, <clears throat> as much as I wanted to help people, I knew that was not my path. You, I was always very obsessed with trying to understand the questions, even from a very young age, who am I and why am I here and what's the purpose of life and what's the nature of existence and why are we here and where do we come from and where are we going? But that moment when my father announced my son is taking over, I felt such a deep sadness because inside of myself, it was as though something inside of me knew. But the truth was I was too afraid uh, to let him know. I was afraid that if I spoke my truth to him, I would disappoint him and everyone else. If I spoke my truth to him, I would be rejected. I'd be abandoned. I would be outcast. I'd be ultimately left alone and not accepted. And so for the longest time, about four or five years, I suppressed my truth, went along with it, got ordained. I wanted to help people and I kept justifying in my mind, well, you know, this, is, this isn't so bad. I get to make a difference. I get to inspire people. But deep down, I knew this was yeah. my truth. I, if I cut the BS, I knew this was not my destiny, my path. And I realized, look, I looked into my, when I turned 18, I looked into my, I felt such a pain inside. And, and I felt, well, you know, I guess you could call it a depression, a pain, a sadness, a heaviness, because when I looked into my future, I saw that I could be successful by my father's standards, by everyone else's standards. But I really believe that if you live someone else's version of your life, there's no way to truly be happy, you know, if you're not living your truth. And I could be successful by everyone else's standards. But if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have who I was, to me, this is a failure. And then I looked into the unknown path in which my soul was guiding me. I felt this nudging to come to America. I felt this nudging to go into sort of more the spiritual self-help field, personal development field. I had no idea how I was going to do it. No support, no, edu no you could say college education, no degree, no background, knew no one, no money. And yet my soul was guiding me. And so when I was 18, I made the, I guess... The courageous decision, you know, I mean, I was terrified. Yeah. It was it was scary. And and I decided that nothing was worth my truth. That if I if I ended up living a lie at this stage of my life, then I would have to live this lie for the rest of my life in order to get forever. And the thought of that I realized this was a living death. This was a soul suicide. And I allowed myself to feel the pain of that. And I cried and I decided nothing was worth it. And even if I pretended to be someone that I wasn't, I would have to pretend to be that person forever. And even if my father and everyone else in my life loved me for who they thought I was being, deep down, I would know that it wasn't real. I would know that who they were loving was a fake version of myself and the love would not feel real anyway. And so I courageously decided, which was, look, it was tough. It was difficult. I was terrified, okay? <laughs> I decided right. to, you know, sometimes people say, oh, when you find your purpose, oh, the heaven's open. It's easy. You know? No. It's <laughs> hell, man. Sometimes it's hell. <laughs> that's when your challenges begin. That's when, you know, the, that's when the universe starts, life starts testing you. And I believe those tests are simply your soul's 
opportunities to, it's like the soul gymnasium to, to develop the muscle, the mental, the emotional, the physical, the spiritual muscle so that you can be strong enough. You can develop the internal perseverance and fortitude and resilience to be able to fulfill your soul's vision. And I spoke to my father, which was like killing my father. It was like a you know, it was, it was like, it was like slaying the dragon and killing my father and saying, taking my life. And it was, it was like sticking a sword into his heart, but I knew I had to do this to reclaim my life. And I realized you can't be free living someone else's version of your life. No matter how good it is, this is not freedom and it's not happiness. And he said, right. sure. And I said, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> as sure as I can be. As sure as I can be at 18 years old, terrified. Right, right. what do I know? He didn't say anything, and that was even worse. I would rather hear Oh, God. And, uh, and then I left, you know, and that began my path. And cut a long story short, I ended up winning a green card a few months after to come to the U.S., which was grace, and that was a sign. And I really believe when we, when we follow our deepest truth, when we follow our souls nudging, our knowing, that deepest impulse inside of us, even though we may not know with our conscious minds what we're doing and where we're going, there is something inside of us that knows. So I like to tell people, you don't have, it's a myth that you have to know where you're going in order to get there. Your soul knows, trust that, allow it to guide you. And so one of the things I had to do that I would encourage everyone to really do some soul searching, that if there was a first step, Maybe you're somewhere in your life that you don't want to be. Maybe you're in a relationship that you know is not right for you. Maybe you're you know, working a job that you, it just crushes your soul. For me, what keeps us stuck in the first place we can begin, that's a simple place, is really all the ways that we lie to ourselves. To me, this is what part of what keeps us stuck. So take a look at the lies you're telling yourself. Ask yourself the question, what lies am I telling myself? What am I, what am I pretending to not know? And what is it costing me? And dare to feel, which is what I have to do. Feel, which is what we often don't do. We distract it. We drink it. We sex it. We work it away. We social media it away. We distract ourselves from the feeling of the pain of what it feels like to not be aligned. And so Burn in the pain, burn in the misalignment, burn in the truth. To me, the truth will set you free. It may be painful, but it will set you free. And that, for me, is, it was a place to start and, and a beginning, I think, for everyone. Hey, this is Yogi Brian chiming in with that mid-episode trivia. So grab a piece of paper, grab a pencil or pen if you're not driving. If you're driving, just pay attention to the road. We want you to stay alive. So... Here is the trivia question. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Here we go. So what is the world's longest river? So what is the world's longest river? That is the trivia question. Write it down. Write down the question. Write down the answer if you have it. Don't Google. Don't search. We want to see if you can get this trivia question. And also, definitely check out the yogishow.com after this episode's done. We provide all the show notes there. Anything we talked about here that's important that we want you to go check out with the show notes, the links, where to find Coot, that is there on the yogishow.com. You need to check out his book. His book's called You Are the One A Bold Adventure in Finding Purpose, Discovering the Real You, and Loving Fully. I have it on Audible myself, and Coot actually reads it, which is amazing with his awesome voice. I get jacked up while listening to it. Check it out there. Be sure to find it on Amazon.com. 
But also, just go check out theyogishow.com. We provide you everything there. Remember, stay tuned for the end of the show for the trivia answer. We're going to give that at the end of this show. Stay tuned. But let's get back to the show. When you're talking, I can feel that emotion. Like I can feel, I, I can, I'm just in, thinking when what you're saying, I can just feel like it's at the pit of your stomach. Like this is just not who you are when you're going to get, you'll be handed over the church and just, I, I could feel you feeling that in that pit of the stomach and then having to fight that for, you said five years was, it was five years where you're doing that and you're just not aligned where you're, you're true. And then, you know, it's hearing the story that, you know, you just didn't want to do it. And then you went and did your own thing, but like that, that confronting your, your dad and like letting him know, and then him not saying anything like that is really tough stuff. Like, you know, that I, I just, man, really listening to that inner voice. But there is a part of us that knows. We might pretend, you know, we sometimes we play this game as human beings. We've all done it. I've done it. We do it in moments. I, it's a game of like confusion. Like I'm confused. I, I right. don't know. And then we, you know, we ask our friends, what should I do? We go to psychics. We go to astrologers. We get advice. We go to life coaches. Right. What should I do? Tell me what should I do? Should I stay? <laughs> should I go? Maybe someone listening in, you've been in a relationship in the past. If you look back at your past relationship and you were so confused and you kept asking your friends, your friends kept saying, leave. And you were like, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe I can make it work. <laughs> the moment, right? The moment you left that freaking relationship, you told your friend, I knew that wasn't going to work. And there's a promise. There's a part of us down that knows everything because at the deepest level, we are everything. But but it is scary. It is scary. So what we tend to do out of survival, out of self-protection, because there's some kind of payoff, is we tend to hold on to keep ourselves comfortable and safe. But realize right. that holding on to that which is not working is simply your affirmation of your lack of trust in the universe. And you are reinforcing more of what you don't want. Yes, exactly. The next level of your life will require the next level of your relationship, the next level of your purpose will require that you let go of the old, will require that you let go of who you've been, will require that you release and let go. And you might lose certain people in your life. You might lose certain friends in your life. You might lose certain things in your life. But I believe we must trust that whatever it is that we lose in the process of aligning ourselves with our truth was not truly in alignment with our highest and best in the first place. And what remains will be what true who remains will be what's real and we have to ask do i want to live what's real or do i want to live a fake untruth do i want to live a lie to me happiness you talked about happiness happiness is 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 simple. It's so simple. You don't need to read 4,000 books. You don't need to go to India and meditate for six years. You simply need to do this. Tell the truth to yourself. So many of the problems, the difficulties, the challenges that we pray about, go to temple about, God, please help me with this issue. And we, we, you know, we get on knees about would resolve instantly if we told the truth. To me, truth is real spirituality. Truth is real yoga. Truth is real meditation. Truth is real prayer. Truth is real spiritual practice. And we can all do it. It just takes a little bit of courage. 
Absolutely. You have to be willing to go within and then sit with the discomfort and overcome it. And I love, I saw like to transition that and link that into an amazing Instagram post that I saw of yours about stop apologizing for who, for, for, for being who you really are, you know, and it hit me when I saw that and it goes right into this conversation, right in the flow, you know, it just hit me because I was trying to figure that out for a while in my own life. Like I was a debt collector and a yoga teacher. Like how many yoga teaching debt collectors (laughs) exist? Zero. Like there's there's one out there. It doesn't happen. You know, so I was half in, I'm one foot in each boat. I'm going to split my ass down the middle unless I get that hell out of the boat that I don't want to be in and I get in the one that's going to be the one that's going to serve my higher purpose. Fuck the money. Don't worry about like, oh, how am I going to make money? How am I going to do this? Let the universe, that's where the trust in the universe that you just said, the trust in the universe and that everything is just going to work itself out. Trust the process. You know, don't just take the leap, get in the boat, turn the accelerator on, hit the gas and don't turn back. Don't look back. Yes. Like you said, you might lose some relationships or some things fall off, but those things are just holding you back anyway. You know, you level up and you, and you move forward, you know, and you move forward. So, you know, and so, I mean, that was just so powerful, you know, to speak to that, like when you're, when you're allowing ever, when you're holding space for people in these experiences that you have, you know, and you see the people, they're ready you know, I'm ready to do the inner work. Like I can feel it. I'm ready for the shift. What's that one step that somebody could take today right now to get a little bit more into alignment, to get part of that? You know what? I'm going to willing to, I'm willing to let this go. Like what, how do you empower somebody with one step? I think one thing is, is, is what I said, stop bullshitting yourself. Yeah. That, that, true. I mean, it sounds simple, but we are constantly, <laughs> constantly lying to ourselves. Yeah. I mean, constantly we are not telling the truth, we are pretending, we are avoiding. And to me, this is a place we must start. There is no transformation without truth. There is no transformation without being ruthlessly honest with ourselves. To me, this is a place that we must begin. And so, uh, look, yeah, I think in terms of you mentioned something about, you know, stop apologizing. You know, ultimately, here's what I believe. Uh your dreams, if anyone here, you know, we will have dreams and visions. I believe that your dreams chose you for a reason. I mean, many of us, we believe, oh, I choose my goal. I choose my my dream. I believe your dreams chose you because you are the perfect person. Everything you've been through, every experience, every, you know, your debt collecting, you know, everything. (laughs) There is a reason you have been a debt collector, even if you're not totally conscious of of it right now. It is part of the ingredient that the divine, the cosmic chef has sprinkled into the soup called you to prepare you for something that you need to do because that has taught you some particular skill that you you are going to need to fulfill your purpose. It is a perfect synchronized uh, paint brush stroke in the divine art of the universe called you. There is a reason that may not be clear in this moment, but it will reveal itself in time. It will reveal itself as time moves on. And so, you know, I believe that if you have a dream, everything you've been through, your pain, your trauma, your hurt, your discomfort, your family dysfunction, your pet, everything has been perfectly aligned to prepare you for who you are. And that has made you uniquely who you are with the unique perspective, the unique pain, the unique traumas, the unique issues, the unique way of seeing the world, the unique insecurities, the unique gifts, the unique perspectives. And so we must embrace it. Basically, what we're often doing that stops us is we're constantly comparing ourselves, especially in our social media culture, to everyone. Oh, yeah. People compare themselves to me. People can compare themselves to you. People can compare themselves to Deepak Chopra. People compare themselves to Elon Musk, to this person, to that person. And the reality is 
There will never be another person like you. There will never, ever, ever be another person like you with that unique imprint. Ultimately, you are art. I am art. And the more we are able to embrace that uniqueness, the more the gift of our of your soul, the more the gift of your uniqueness will begin to grow in you and blossom and reveal itself through you in ways you can't see right now. And yes, will people talk shit about you? Will people, uh, uh, you know, speak negatively about you? Will people criticize you? Will people, sure, they criticize Gandhi. They criticize Jesus. They criticize Mandela. They criticize Bruce Lee. They criticize Bob Marley. They criticize Bob Ma- uh, Muhammad Ali. They criticize all of, you know, every, all of the great ones. The question is, so what? And so I say, often people's opinions actually reveal more about them. They have nothing to do with you, really. They reveal more about them than it does about you. People will project onto you based on their level of consciousness. People will project onto you, and their perception of you really is not about you. They're not seeing you. They're seeing through the lens of their own conditioning, filtering who they think you are through that lens of conditioning and projecting that on you. And so we must work to be free truly free to give our gifts and serve the world and the world I believe is waiting for each and every one of us. We must do two things. We must begin to unhook ourselves firstly from people's negative opinions, but Mm -hmm. we must also unhook ourselves from people's positive opinions. And when we unhook ourselves from both, we take our power back and we rest. We're able to really rest into who am I really, to really know who I am, to really know where you are coming from, to really know your intention. Then I think we are much more freed up, much more happier, much more fulfilled and freed up to give our gifts, share our gifts with the world because we're not depending on the we're not trying to avoid the negative opinions. We're not trying to get someone's positive opinions. Our happiness is not based on either. Then we're really free yeah. to be a force of love, a, a real force of fierce love in the world. And I think this is this is the key, you know? Absolutely. And I, I love it a lot. Brian, go ahead. You got something? Go ahead. No, I was just saying, yeah, you mentioned something about social media. And I, I feel like everything you said is so on point and, and that – throughout these podcast episodes, we have been talking to our audience saying that, you know, you are unique. Like don't try and be Pedro. Don't try and be me on social media. We we write memes on social Mm. media and, and there's so many different aspects of yoga or yoga teachers or just, just there's so many, there's such an abundance on social media, such an abundance in the world that really like the journey that you're going on is your journey and embrace that journey because like what you're going through, like you're, you're going to help somebody else with what you're going through. Um, but let's touch on social media again. Like how do you get out of that? Really not comparing yourself to others, but just like sharing your true authentic self self on there. Yeah, I think to, in order to share your authentic self, you have to know your authentic self and you have to be your authentic self. And when you don't know your authentic self and you don't you're not in touch with that authentic self, then it's hard to share your authentic self. And so I always say to truly influence and truly be a leader, you have to know who you are and be able to lead your own self, you know? And so, so I'm going to take a step back a second just to give a little bit of a sort of uh, a broad perspective and then come a little focus into the social media question in Perfect. terms of, Great. you know, when we're born, right? In terms of we're talking about being yourself, when we're born, we're born, I believe, as children, as little babies. You know, you look at, into a little baby's eyes, a, a kid is free. You know, you look at 
eyes. They're in touch with, I don't know, the divine. They're in touch with their essence, right? They're in touch with this, this light inside of them. They're in touch with a sort of unconditioned, talk about authentic self. Little babies, they're just being authentic. They'll jump on the table and they'll sing. They'll cry. They'll shit. They'll pee. Whatever. They'll just they <laughs> in the moment. They're not thinking, oh, what do you think of me? What does Pedro think of me? Does Brian like me? A kid will just come up to you and hug you. It's not, it's not closed up going, oh, I was hurt before and mm, they didn't give yeah. it to me before, so I'm not going to smile this time. They're just, they're, just full, they're just being what they are. But what happened to us as human beings? Age 20, age 30, age 40, we end up closed up, contracted, walls around the heart, disconnected, shut down. Two things happen. The first, that stops us from being our authentic selves. The first thing is, you know, we're born as these beings, as these souls into an environment. We meet our parents, right? And our parents are just doing the best that they can do based on their life, their programming, right. their upbringing, their childhood, their grandparents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so we're born into an environment. Maybe there's pain, there's trauma, there's hurt, there's, there, there's abandonment, there's neglect, there's abuse, there's addiction, there's alcoholism, there's all sorts of sort of experiences, maybe high level of trauma, maybe it's just they weren't around. So on some level as human beings, there's no way to avoid this sort of conditioning experience. So we're born into this experience and the first thing that occurs as children, you know, it, it can be a little overwhelming to be born into some of these experiences. So we start learning all sorts of ways, often unconsciously, to shut down, disconnect, not feel. We start developing all sorts of defense strategies and mechanisms to shut down, disconnect, not feel, protect ourselves, not get hurt. And all of a sudden, over time, over years and years and years, uh, we start disconnecting from parts of ourselves in order to protect parts of ourselves. And those unfelt feelings sort of get trapped and stored and pushed down inside of us. And we start developing layer upon layer upon layer that starts to cover up our authentic heart, our soul's expression, who we really are. And over time, we start sort of losing touch under the mountain of sort of unfelt feeling our authentic selves. And the second thing is we start going out into the world as young children, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and we start, maybe our dad, maybe we're loud and funny, and our dad says, children should be seen and not heard, shut up or be quiet. And so we shut down again and we're like, oh, wow, you know, who do I need to be in order to be loved? Who do I need to be in order to be accepted? Who do I need to be in order to be, to be validated for me? Growing up as a preacher's kid, a, a minister's son, I, I, I learned at least thought I needed to be the perfect kid, the perfect son, the perfect the responsible one, the, the kind one, the pure one, the sweet one, the spiritual one. And so what we start doing is we start unconsciously developing all sorts of roles, masks, limiting yeah. characters and identities that we then hold onto so tightly as a way to survive, function and get love validation, approval, and acceptance. And then we hold tightly onto this, avoid pain, get love validation. We hold so tightly onto this, we contort ourselves into a way of being in a shape in order to function and survive. And then we think that the version of ourselves that we have become, again, it's a version of ourselves that we have become and we have been conditioned in and then gets reinforced by people around us. We think this is who I am. We say, no, I'm just this way. This is who I am. So I would ask people to really think about is who you are, who you really are, or is it simply who you've been conditioned to be? Because many of us, we are living conditioned version of ourselves and we are then projecting through social media and in our lives and in our relationships, the sort of fake, false 
conditioned version of ourselves without even knowing that this is not the real us. And the degree to which we are conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. We really think, no, 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 I'm just shy. No, 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 I'm just this way. No, 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 I just, I'm just independent. I'm just sarcastic. I'm just fill in the blank. And so we've learned all sorts of ways <laughs> to be. And then we project that through, you know, our websites and social media. It's like, hey, this is who I am. Not realizing that, we're trying to get something, not realizing who we really are. So I think firstly, we have to realize in order to be able to be authentic in social media or in life, we have to realize and acknowledge, whoa, I have been conditioned. Wow, I have been conditioned in certain ways to avoid pain, to get validation. And we have to start investigating ourselves. Who am I really? Is that really what I believe? Is that really my truth? Where did that come from? And we have to also be start willing to start feeling some of those feelings that we have suppressed deep inside that as a protection to avoid feeling. And we have to start feeling those feelings and releasing those feelings so that we can start letting go of some of the layers. And I think the more we are willing to go through that process of becoming aware and telling the truth, feeling our feelings and letting go because all feelings when fully felt uh, are, are released and begin to dissolve. Then we start resting back into a more authentic version of ourselves. Then we're able to give that. And so I think true it really does start a lot with yep. true self-awareness, you know, and that's what we have to do. Yeah. True self-awareness so that we can share that and give that uh, through whatever means, whether it's social media or anything else, you know, and I think many times through social media, you know, because we are all conditioned in certain ways, we are trying to get love and validation. If I post this picture, look at me. If I post this picture, yeah. wow, what will you think? If I post this picture, all the likes of myself flexing in a certain way, you know, showing my this, showing my that, show, then you're going to love me, you know? And so <laughs> it's a way to feed the ego in a certain way, rather than truly be able to come from an authentic place and use social media to, I think the more we are authentic with ourselves, then we're able to use social media to truly be of service, to truly serve, to truly love, to truly impact. And I think uh, it has to start with us knowing who we are. To me, that's the foundation. Many of us, we are setting goals. And I'm not against setting goals, but we're often setting goals that aren't really even in alignment with who we really are. And if I say, if we don't know who we are, then often the goals that we set are going to be uh, unconscious ways to kind of try and fulfill certain needs that weren't met for us growing up. And so uh, I think this has to be questioned. We have to, we have to start a self-inquiry. Question is, yeah. who am I really? What am I really? What's my truth really? Absolutely. That I think is, this is a place so on point. And... You know, we're, we're yogis, Pedro and I, and our page is yoga, and this is the yogi show. You know, for, for me, like, I didn't even know what my truth was until I, like, I just caught a little glimpse of yoga. I started practicing yoga, and then I was like, my truth kept revealing who I am, and it's still revealing who I am. It's like, it's like such a process, and it's tough to reveal that truth. And there's so many, gosh, like, denial is like a real thing. Like, there's so much stuff like that I wasn't aware of, like on my yoga journey before my yoga journey, like that I, I didn't even know was a truth for me. So for someone that really wants to know themselves or really wants to find that truth, but just is so maybe wrapped up in just their trauma or just wrapped up in whatever, like what's like the, maybe the first uh, step is it like journaling or do they, do they need to find it within themselves? Like what's the first step for someone to like start going on their truth? 
I, I think the first step is to wake up and just acknowledge, wait a second, perhaps I have been conditioned. You know, just the acknowledge. Right. Because many times we're not aware, we're not aware that we've been conditioned, you know. We're not conscious of the fact. So I think we have to become conscious of the simple fact, whoa, maybe I'm not who I think I am. Maybe this is not really what I believe. And, and so we have to start a self-inquiry to acknowledge, hmm, I am conditioned. And I think to create the space for ourselves, yes, to begin uh, removing distractions so that we can begin to feel our truth, feel what we really feel, because our feelings that we've often learned to suppress, I think, are a key to our authenticity. And so uh, I think we have to be willing to feel as well through the process. And many times we don't feel because we're protecting right. ourselves. And so I think uh, acknowledgement, truth, creating the space to feel, yes, that can include journaling. But I think there's something so powerful when we're will- willing to allow ourselves to feel many of the things that we haven't allowed ourselves to feel. I think this yeah. takes a lot of courage and there's not an easy path. I, I, I don't believe it's like a hackable seven formula that you do, that you, do you know, on, on, on a Sunday morning and then you do 10 minutes in the evening. It's a process. It's a art. It's a cultivation with time. Like yoga is a process, not something you just do on a Friday, right? It's, it's a process. It's right. your life. And I saw, for me, truly transforming is 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 a process. I, I, I want to just tell you guys a quick story that might also – you know, paint the picture of one of my clients. Yeah. Uh, I had a client, you talk about unconditioning. I had a client who came to me uh, many, many over a decade ago, and I was doing these crazy journeys to India. I'd take away people's money and people's passports, and you'd be stuck with me for 12 days, 14 days. I wanted to ask you about it, so please share the, the liberation experience. Yeah, it's called the liberation experience, and it was really designed uh, for people that felt a calling and maybe felt stuck in some way and felt called to go to the next level. And I'll take you through India, planes, trains, automobiles, and I'd use India as the backdrop to facilitate transformation. And this guy comes to me because his wife was my client. And he said, Kud, I feel so much potential, but, you know, I'm stuck. Basically, he was locked in his conditioning and he wasn't conscious of why he was the way he was. And he said, but, you know, Kud, I'm just, his excuse was, I'm just, I'm just a shy guy. You know, it's just... Oh, no. Just who I am. I'm just shy. This, like, this is just who I am, and that was his identity. He had become so yeah. wrapped up in his identity, and I believe that identity is suffering. The degree to which you are tied up, holding on to your identity, is the degree to which you are not free. And he said, "I'm yeah. shy. I'm just quiet. I'm just one of those." background people, you know, but I have so much potential to give and to serve. And so here's what's interesting. He married a woman who was so outgoing and she wouldn't stop talking. And so somehow he manifested a wife in his life who was an amazing woman, but she did all the talking for him and he could kind of hide. And he convinced himself, mm, nah, it's just who I am. And so I told him, you're full of it. You've been lying your entire life. And for years, for years, you've been lying. And so I started to explore with him. I started to explore his childhood, asking about some of the things that had happened. I started asking some of these questions. And 24 hours later, he came back to me. This guy was 55 years old. He's going to get sort of a little deep and heavy for a moment, but bear with me. I asked him. Yeah, yeah, go through it. I asked him, um, so how has the sort of consideration been going? He says, Kud, for the first time since I'm five years old, I've actually started to allow myself to be vulnerable and feel. And I said, so what happened? He said, for the first time in 50 years, I began to cry. 
I have been holding oh myself my together. I have been holding myself together for 50 years, and I just gave myself the permission to feel the feelings that have been underneath my ego's control. And that I realized there was so much unfelt feeling that I had been pressing down, not allowing myself, not giving myself permission to feel, and it was just coming up in waves. And so I said, great, tell me more. He said, I understand why I am the way I am. I understand why I became shy. I understand. I said, tell me more. He said, you won't believe it, but when I was five years old, I did not remember this up until yesterday. He goes, it was a blocked kind of memory. He said, when I was five, <clears throat> I realized I was molested by my uncle. It's like, Whoa. Oh, shit. oh, wow. He said, I did not even know this occurred, but I felt it. Because I always wondered, Ku, why there was this subtle sense of sadness inside of me. I never considered myself a sad person, but there was always something there that didn't make sense. And he said, for the first time, because I gave myself permission to feel and not have to control the sensation or the feeling in my body, in my heart, I felt something. I connected the dot and I had this image and I understood I was molested by my uncle. And you see... As a five-year-old kid, he realized that he was so free and alive and radiant and vibrant. And this thing happened that should not have happened. It was not okay what happened, but it happened. And he finally acknowledged that he finally had the courage to admit this to himself. And he said, and what he realized was, as a five-year-old, unconsciously, he made up in his mind, in his being, that it's not safe to be seen. And when I'm seen, bad things happen. When I'm seen, if you see me, it's dangerous. So unconsciously, uh, he made up. He didn't even know he did. It wasn't like he sat there and thought about it. It was right. a reaction. It was a protective mechanism that kicked in. If you don't see me, if you can't see me, then you can't hurt me. And so I will go into the background. I will blend in. I will be quiet. I will be, in quotation marks, shy because mm -hmm. this way, I can't hurt. I can't be hurt by you, you, or any you. And this became his unconscious survival strategy for 50 wow. years. Ended up being in the background, being in sort of sort of support positions, being you know marrying a woman who was so gregarious that he never had to do any talking. And he realized, wow, this was an identity. And there was so much grief that he'd suppressed underneath this holding on identity that he had to feel. And so I think allowing ourselves to, that's why I say allowing ourselves to feel the feelings that will inevitably come up. And so, so much grief came up for him. And as he felt the grief in stages, in layers, the sadness, the, the anger, the grief, the sadness in stages, in layers, he was able to begin releasing and freeing himself. And he began to realize that shy is not who I am. It's what I became. It's what I was conditioned to be, to survive. But it's not authentically my true being. You know, quiet is not who I am. It's not, it's, not, it's not who I truly am. It's what I became to function and survive. And he was able to go beyond that and tap into an inner sense of freedom, an inner sense of power, a, a sort of wildness inside of himself that he'd been suppressing. And it was powerful to see him unleash this sort of power inside and begin expressing that again. And so this is why I think we have to be willing to, to also be compassionate with ourselves, you know, and realize that all of those parts of ourselves that, that have been 
that have arisen, those identities, those limiting roles, those limiting characters, in order to function and survive and protect ourselves, they all had a positive intention. So we don't need to judge them. We don't need to you know, get rid of them. We don't need to kill them. They are parts of ourselves that if we're able to be aware, ah, oh, this is an identity. This is a way I've been conditioned. It's not who I really am, but it's a part of me that has been seeking to do something for me. There's a payoff there by being this way that I learned at a very young age. And it worked for me when I was five and 10 and eight and 17, but maybe it's limiting my full expression now. And as we can start aware of these aspects of ourselves with intention, with consciousness, then I think we're able, the key is to be, start bringing compassion and love to these parts of ourselves because they just meant well. And then we can start meeting ourselves with this compassion, with this tenderness, meeting those parts of ourselves with that compassion is the healing. Healing is when we apply love to those parts of ourselves that are hurting. And if we don't apply love to those parts of ourselves that are hurting, those parts of ourselves that are hurting will continue to act out in our relationships, play out on social media, play out in our businesses and run the show. Healing is applying love to those parts of ourselves. So what can we do? Hold ourselves with compassion. Hold ourselves like we would hold a newborn baby and dare to bring love to ourselves because in that moment, we were doing the best that we knew how to do at age five. Exactly. We were doing the best that we knew how to do at age 12. The only thing is now is not then. Yeah, compassion and feeling those – like when those feelings come up, what I've noticed just in my own practice is – you know, when those feelings do come up, it's the body, it's trying to tell you something. Like when anger comes up, it gets you focused to figure out yeah. what is going on here. Yes. Like how how do I need to deal with this situation? Like anger is not a bad thing. Yeah. You know, it, it can be a bad thing. I mean, if you if you if it's negative and it's a signal. do something destructive with that anger, but that anger, if you sit with it, it, it brings that attention to something that you need to change. Anxiety right. Like for me, it brings up something like, hey, I haven't dealt with something. Like maybe I need to write something out and figure it out and find out like, why do I have this anxiety? Like it's your body telling you to do something and it's not a bad thing, not a good thing. It's just your body telling you like, hey, we need to do something about this. Pay attention. Yeah. Hey, I'm talking to you over here, you know, like, don't just open your phone and start swiping, you know, don't, <laughs> you know, but so many people are doing that. Like, don't do, don't do that. You know, don't open your phone feel, and start swiping. Like, feel it. Sit with it. Feel it. We're afraid to feel deeply because we've learned to lie to ourselves growing up. We've learned to lie about emotions and sensations and feelings. We've learned to not feel because it wasn't accepted. It wasn't embraced. So we, sh- we've shut it down. And then maybe some of our experiences were so painful that we made up inside of ourselves. I will never feel this pain again. I will never experience this again. And we've done, we've been living life limited in the sense of trying to not feel that pain again through our entire lives. And so we, we sometimes think now, wow, if I feel my feelings that aren't positive, I'm going to be overwhelmed. I won't survive. I'm going to die. I'll never, it will never end. But all feelings that we are able to hold and feel with true awareness and presence will dissolve. Our feelings are a signal. No feeling lasts forever. Right. Exactly. And you, then you're just, you who are, like, who am I? You know, and then you end up, like you said, your client 55 and like discovering like, wait a minute, I've been living this life alive for 50 years because of this situation I didn't know about, you know, but then you get to, you know, and allow yourself to be where you are in the moment now, you know, and then heal it, 
work through it. I always say like embrace the discomfort and change, you know, embrace the discomfort and change. And um, I think that this episode and, the, and all the wisdom that, you sh- that you've shared has really, you know, brought some, even for me, like when I was sitting here having this conversation, I'm having a spiritual experience. <laughs> you know, I, I really am. I'm, I'm feeling empowered. I'm feeling like, yes, like the, all of these things make sense. And this is the reason we started this show uh, back a few months ago was for this exact reason. Like, how can we work through, uh, grow through whatever it is that we're going through? What can we offer, you know, to the community out there to provide, you know, uh, wisdom from amazing guests like you that can really just help us on our path, you know, and really the, the answers are within us. You know, we're just the teachers and like the healers or however, code, whatever you want to call it, that are offering you the opening the door and saying, hey, here's actually the answer. It's within you, but you have to sit with it and be willing to do that and do the inner work. And then the transformation can really happen because everyone else can tell you what to do, but that's not going to work unless you're actually willing to put in the work, unless you do it, you know? And that's, I think that's a big takeaway from this episode is like, you know, that it begins within, you know, if we could title this something, it would definitely be, it begins within, you know, for sure. So I love, I love it, Coot. Thank you so much for, for taking the time uh, to be on our show amongst your busy, crazy schedule that I'm sure that you do have with all the amazing things that you're, uh, that you've done and are doing uh, to help uh, raise the vibration of the world. Absolutely. It's been a, it's been such a pleasure uh, just to hear um, all the amazing things that you've done. One last question that I have for you, because a, a lot of our a lot of our our listeners and guests are aspiring, you know, spiritual leaders, yoga teachers um, out in the community, trying to find their voice, you know, and maybe they found it and they're sharing messages and they're speaking from the heart. But you know, sometimes it's challenging to get up there in front of a giant stage and speak on something, and and uh, like when they're first starting out, you know. And I know obviously you are a very impactful, powerful, successful speaker. You know, what what is something that you could offer as far as like, you know, when you get up on the stage and you, and you find that, like that caught in the throat, you know, the frog in the throat, maybe you don't know it because you're so good at it, but you know, when you feel that and you're like, how do you just get into the flow state? Like, is there something you like, just go back to the breath, drop in? What is it for you? Um, I eat chilies and I also, <laughs> and I'm kidding. <laughs> I eat chilies. I have my, you know, uh, I have my, you know, X, XCT coconut oil and uh, no, <laughs> no, none of that. Chilies right now. all of that. Please don't have chilies before you go. <laughs> it only mess you up seriously. But in all seriousness, you know, what people don't realize, you know, a lot of people see me on stage and like, wow, so powerful, so inspiring. A couple of, I will share some things and some sort of inner secrets that I feel would be really valuable. But the first thing I want to say is what people don't realize is, you know, I grew up in London and I didn't have a lot of money growing up at all on some level, you know, everything went to my father's church. So we were kind of poor and my bedroom, we we lived behind my father's church in London. My bedroom was literally the size of a small toilet. You could fit a small bed in it and that was it. My dreams were, were so big. And I would read, you know, hundreds of books a year and meditation and spirituality. And I had these visions that were so big, but my reality was so small and I felt so limited. And what I would do that a lot of people don't know is I would sneak into my father's church because it was next door when the lights were off. This is from around age 10, 11 to age 18, almost every day. And I would sneak into his church and I would speak with the lights off and I would speak to the empty chairs. I would speak 
to the empty chairs for three, four hours a night, giving seminars. Wow. Giving seminars, imagining, imagining souls from around the world, black, white, green, orange people laughing. And I would give seminars, man. I mean, you know, I read books on meditation, Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins, Wayne Dyer, people I was reading around eight, 10, 11 years old. And I would then kind of riff off of that. And I would imagine people being transformed. And I would feel the souls of people calling me that I had some agreement with. And so what people first need to realize is people often don't realize before, by the time I was 18, I probably put in 10,000 hours of practice speaking to people. For me, it wasn't a career. Don't do this. If you want to be a healer, a teacher, what have you, a speaker, don't do it as a career. Don't do it as a second income. Do it because your, your soul is calling you and the calling is pure. It is not a, don't do it as a marketing thing. Don't do it to fulfill your ego. Do it if there's a true calling in your soul, because the road will be challenging. The road will be difficult at times. But if the calling is there truly in your soul, it's bigger than you. It's more than you. It's more than yourself. It's not something you can deny. And so for me, it's always been a calling and, and that will inspire you to put in the work. I put in the work before I got on a, a public stage in the U.S. Another quick story that I'm going to share some of the secrets is I was telling someone the other day when I first came to the U.S., I must have been about 19, 20. I started I started my first seminar. I thought I'm going to be smart. I'm going to do my first seminar, even though no one knows me. Right. And I did my first seminar in Los Angeles, one of my first ones, an evening in Marina del Rey. I'll never forget it. I think it was like the Radisson Hotel and a small room. And I promoted this seminar and I promoted it for weeks. Oh, wow. And you know how many people showed up? Two. Two people came to my freaking seminar. One, two. One of them was my friend. So I walk out to give my seminar. I'm, I'm almost depressed, crying, because there's two people at my if seminar. After all that work, after all that promotion. And I tell my friend, you know, um, I guess we can go and maybe grab some dinner and cancel the, 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 the event. She looks at me. She says, no, I drove here. I paid my parking. I paid my gasoline. I brought my friend. We want our transformation. That moment changed my life because I realized it doesn't matter if there's one person, 500 people. I just spoke at an event, 600 people, you know, a thousand people. It doesn't matter. We are here to be of service to souls. I got myself up for two people that day and I spoke and I gave a seminar like there were 10,000 in the audience and I decided to transform their souls. So if you want to speak, if you're feeling nervous, many times, nothing wrong with that nervousness, that nervousness is maybe excitement without breath, but sometimes we get so, so breathe. Yes. But sometimes we get so stuck in the, Oh my God, what would people think? So it realize <clears throat> you are not here for anything. You are not going on stage for anything other than to be of true service. You are here. Place your attention on being of service to these souls. Place your attention on being of service to every single person in the audience because there's something that you say that can touch their souls and touch their lives. Don't do it just to get love, validation, feel good. Really shift your focus from within yourself out there to serve. And when you are focused on service, you take the attention off of yourself, off of your ego, and you open yourself up to a greater capacity for life to flow through you and speak through you. Service is the key. The thing I always say before I speak, the universe, use me. 
speak through me. Use me as a vehicle. As a human being, I am imperfect. As a human being, I, I am limited. But the, the intelligence of life, whatever you believe, some call it God, some call it universe, some call it intelligence. I don't care what you call it, but this force of life, life force, use me for the highest service as a vessel and a vehicle. I am your mouthpiece. Use me to speak. Let me be your voice. And that's when I believe you will tap into another level of information, another level of transmission, another level of healing, another level of possibility, another level of information that is beyond your current level of logic, mind, egos, capacity, personality, intelligence. You will tap into the divine. You will tap into grace. You will tap into the infinite potential of life. And that will speak through you. It won't just be you speaking because words are really limited. Words, I believe, are just the vehicle to transmit what is in your soul. And words are limited. But when life speaks through you, when your soul starts speaking through you, and it's not just you, that is when the magic happens. So for me, key to speaking is get yourself out of the way. Let life speak. Get yourself out of the way. Allow the universe to speak. Get yourself out of the way. And it's not then, then you know, it's not my voice. My voice is life. Life's voice speaking through you. And then you may not know what comes through you. Then you realize it becomes very humbling in that moment because you realize it's not me. It's bigger than me. It's life. That's when the magic happens. And that's when I think grace flows. And that's when people's souls are transformed. If you just speak from your intelligent mind, yes, people will gain knowledge. People will gain ideas. People will gain strategies. I'm not saying don't have them. But I guarantee you, if you just speak from the mind, most people will freaking forget within three hours what the hell you said. But if you speak from the soul and you realize that those people in your audience are not separate from you. They are a dimension of you. At that deepest level, you and them, you are one. You are connected. It might appear like there's me over here and there's you over there in the audience, but that is not, that separation is an illusion. So when you drop down to your soul, you connect to their soul at the level you're one, that is when you speak not to their egos. You speak from your soul to their soul where you are all connected. And that's when their souls light up. That's when you light up their souls, their souls light up and they are touched. And to me, this is the magic. So don't try to find your voice. Open yourself to be a voice yeah, of the infinite. Be of service and just let the universe speak through you. You know, that's really, you know, and and that's that's when, you know, the audience or people, your students, that's when they really feel it. When you're speaking through the universe, holding that space, and you're there for them, you know, not for, you know, whatever agenda that you know, you have, you're there for them. You're there to like, you know, hit their heart. And I know we're getting, we're getting close to time here. So we got the lighten up round. We got <laughs> questions on the lighten up round. Now these, these questions don't think at all. Just let, let out to them because they're kind of fun. So okay, got it. if you could practice yoga with anyone in the world, who would it be? Practice yoga with anybody, like anybody? anybody. It could be a cartoon. It could be you know, not a fictional character or anybody in the entire world. Anyone. Give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. I was going to say I would practice yoga with Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee's, Bruce Lee's amazing. I, I love mm -hmm. Be like water. Just be like water. Flow like water. You know, 
He, he said, he said, martial arts is not just fighting. Martial arts is the, the, the expression of how to express yourself authentically. That is deep. It's like, it, wow. That's he's deep. an amazing teacher. Next question here. So who, who do you think has more gratitude, an elephant or a giraffe? These, these are random. <laughs> who has more gratitude, an elephant? <laughs> you got to give me a moment. This question is tripping what, down Whatever my mind. comes first at the heart. Uh, <laughs> No gratitude, an elephant or a giraffe. Oh man, I think it might just depend on the moment. <laughs> it might, it might depend on the time of day. It might depend on the moment. It depends. It really would depend. Okay, last question here, and then we'll wrap it up. So, if you could eat any food from one country for the rest of your life, where and what would it be? If I could eat any food from one country, uh, you know this. I probably would eat sushi all day long because my mother's Japanese and I grew up on it and I love it. And so, yeah, probably sushi. What's your favorite sushi roll? Mm, salmon. Salmon, yeah. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for all this. I know our audience is going to love this. And you know, we're, we're going to put everything in the show notes, how you can find Coot, how you can get his book. I got it on Audible and it's you actually – reading the audible which yes. is amazing yes it's me reading so yeah it, it, which is amazing so yeah we'll link everything up in the show notes thank you so much Coop, for coming on today and we wish you the very best thank you for having me really appreciate it you're welcome and namaste everybody thank you so much for tuning into the yogi show podcast share the podcast with your friends family yoga community that would mean the world to pedro and i if you could just share this with someone if you're working in area 51 share it with an alien you know we're trying to get this podcast intergalactic here and aliens might need yoga we don't know but if you know the loch ness monster bigfoot anybody share the podcast with someone that would mean the world to us it would mean the solar system to us it would mean the galaxy to us intergalactic that's where the yogi show is going we're going to give you the answer to the mid-episode trivia. But before that, the music today on The Yogi Show is brought to you by DJ Taz Rashid. Now, if you go to theyogishow.com, we provide you all the show notes. We have the song links right there, theyogishow.com. But here is the answer to the trivia. So the question was, what's the world's longest river? So what is the world's longest river? And the answer to that is the Nile River. The Nile River is the longest river in the entire world, which is 6,695 kilometers. Now, if you're in the United States, you're like, what the hell is a kilometer or kilometer? I'm probably saying it wrong. Kilometer, kilometer? See, I don't even know. But the what that is in miles, it's 4,160 miles in length. That's a long-ass river. So that's your answer there. Please visit theyogishow.com. Please subscribe to the podcast. This might be the longest outro in podcast history. So maybe this is a Guinness Book of World Records here. This might be the longest outro. But we appreciate you. And remember, gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. Always be grateful. We're grateful for you. Have a great rest of your Monday. Namaste.